so it's definitely a long weekend. If you didn't know, just look around. <laughs> Hope you're enjoying the long weekend, though. Maybe spending some time with family, friends, and uh, I think there's some people watching us online as well, far away. Welcome to. Um, there's a guy named, there was a guy named Levi Coffin. He is probably the unsung hero of the American anti-slavery movement. Um, he was a central figure in the Underground Railroad, which was a pathway for uh, black slaves to travel from the southern United States up to the northern states or even up here to Canada. And um, people like Coffin took tremendous personal risk to save other people's lives. Because of his activities, he also received frequent death threats, warnings that his shop or home would be burned. Um, but still, he was undeterred. He continued in, what, in the mission he thought God had given to him. Um, he was a Quaker, and he explained his commitment like this. He said, The Bible, in bidding us to feed the hungry and clothe the naked, as we read in the scripture reading this morning, said nothing about color. Levi Coffin was just one example of a person who saw injustice and decided to do something about it. He was given the unofficial title of the president of the Underground Railroad. And it's estimated that about 3,000 slaves passed through his care. His home was called the Grand Central Station of the Underground Railroad. And after slavery was abolished after the American Civil War, he formed aid societies to provide food, clothing, money, and education to former slaves. You know, God's heart, the title of the message today is, is, is God is a God of justice. And God's heart is towards the poor, the vulnerable, the oppressed, the marginalized, the disenfranchised, the needy. And uh, the theme found all throughout the scriptures um, from the law given during the time of Moses and all the way up to the New Testament time is we see this heart of God towards the needy, towards the poor, towards those that don't have. Um, the Israelites were told in the Old Testament not to glean uh, every part of their harvest because uh, they were told to leave some things aside there so that the poor could come and glean some of the areas of the harvest. And the story of Ruth we studied some time ago talks about how Ruth went to glean in a field so that she could get some food to eat and bring back to Naomi. Throughout the New Testament, we see Paul always mindful of the poor and always wanting to take care uh, of those that didn't have, especially in Jesus's teaching known as the probably the golden rule, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. The parable of the, the good Samaritan, which reflects the heart of Christ to care for those in need. In fact, it was prophesied about the Messiah, Jesus Christ, that he would come to do something. In Isaiah, the prophecy was, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me, for the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to comfort the brokenhearted, to proclaim the cap that captives will be released and prisoners will be freed. He has sent me to tell those who mourn that the time of the Lord's favor has come, and with it, the day of God's anger against their enemies. To understand justice is to consider the opposite, which is injustice. What are some of the injustices in the world today? Racism, human trafficking, discrimination, unfair treatment, inequality. 
There's so many hot button issues today, and it's beyond the scope of the message today to talk maybe about some of those things. But so many things are going on in the world today. Um, and maybe there are different things where there's a certain amount of government intervention, and maybe there's certain things that need our personal intervention. There's so many things that are talked about in the world today about welfare and health care, the environment, marriage, abortion, so many different things. But I think our responsibility as Christians and our responsibilities as, responsibility as followers of Christ is to emulate what Christ told us to do and how he lived as well. We read in the scriptures, Keisha read in the scriptures this morning in Matthew, sorry, um, Julia read in Matthew 25 about people that, uh, that Jesus said, when I was hungry, you fed me. When I was thirsty, you gave me something to drink. When I was a stranger, you invited me in. When I was naked, you gave me something to wear. When I was sick, you cared for me. And when I was in prison, you visited me. And they said, well, how, when did we ever see you like this? And, and the master replied and said, inasmuch as you've done it unto the least of these people, you have done it to me. And so we're, we're studying through the Proverbs in this series, and we're trying to see the, the, the title of this series is Wisdom for Daily Living. And so what can we glean from the book of Proverbs with regards to justice, to this God of justice and what he requires from us? What can we understand about uh, God and how we should live properly here in this world, when we see so much injustice in the world, when we see so much inequality in the world, when we see so many things that might not be going the way that we would want it to go, when we, when we live in a society that's not utopian, when we live in a society that is definitely crumbled by sin and man's faults and failures. So how does, what does Christ expect from us? And the purpose of Proverbs, at the beginning of the book it says, about this purpose of all these different Proverbs that are written here is to teach people wisdom and discipline, to help them understand the insights of the wise. Their purpose is to teach people to live disciplined and successful lives, to help them to do what is right, just, and fair. Right? So that's what we want to learn from the book of Proverbs. In, in chapter 21, it says, Justice is a joy to the godly, but it terrifies evildoers. Justice is joy to the godly, right? But it terrifies evildoers. In chapter 28, it says, evil men do not understand justice, but those who seek the Lord understand it completely. And so to understand the justice of God and to understand what God requires of us in terms of justice is to be able to seek God and understand him and his character and his nature and emulate that. And as we do, I think God will be pleased in us. Now, there are varying aspects of God's justice, like bringing punishment upon the wicked and upon the disobedient, and that's probably a message for another time when we look towards eternity and what will finally happen at the end of days. But what we want to focus on this morning is how can we reveal God's character of justice in our day-to-day lives today? How can we live, because these are principles for successful living as we're studying Proverbs, how can we live our lives to reflect God's character of justice? And so I just want to talk about five things this morning which reflect the character of God being a God of justice. The first one is, is very broad, and it's all throughout scriptures from the beginning, not just in the book of Proverbs, but it's to remember the poor. Remember the poor. Chapter 29, verse 7 says, the righteous care about Justice for the poor. But the wicked 
have no such concern. So if we want to live righteous lives, we need to care for the poor. We have a, thank God we have a wonderful master's pantry program here and, and Nancy uh, gives tremendous leadership. Nancy Wilson gives tremendous leadership towards that, to care for those that are poor, to care for the, those that don't have, to care for those that are, that are struggling. And if you've never helped out with master's pantry, I would just encourage you to give one of your Saturday mornings to that and just see what it's like. I was so blessed because one person came to me recently and said, and said, uh, can I get, uh, Uh, Nancy's email address because I came and helped once and I was so blessed. I want to go back and help again. And so I was just so encouraged to hear that. In chapter 19, verse 17, it says, whoever is kind to the poor, what does he do? Or does he do? Lends to the Lord, right? Would you like to lend to the Lord, right? Whoever is kind to the poor lends to the Lord and he will reward them for what they have done. To be mindful of the poor. We are so blessed in the society that we live in. We are so blessed with what God has given to us. I think it's so important for us to be able to give to others. Now, this is not the prosperity gospel where you give $10 and you expect $100 to come back to you. No. You give expecting to receive nothing in return. But to know that this is in obedience to what God has called us to do. Right? Justice for the poor. Chapter 29 Verse, uh, chapter 22, verse 9 says, Blessed are those who are generous because they feed the poor. Generosity. This is an aspect of godly living, successful living. And Proverbs teaches us to be successful in this life. Be generous in our giving. It's more blessed to give than to receive, right? Do you want wisdom to live this life? To live a blessed life? Then give. Be generous. Give to the poor. This is the heartbeat of God. This is from the beginning of the story of, that God has written in the word of God even till throughout the New Testament, even till now. Chapter 28 says, those who give to the poor will lack nothing, but those who close their eyes to them receive many curses, right? Um, don't close our eyes to the need around us. Uh, every couple of months, we have a ministry down to Toronto Alliance Church, And if you've never gone to Toronto Alliance Church, I would encourage you to go down to Toronto Alliance Church and minister to the needy down there. And there's so many opportunities to help in that way and to pray and to support, whether it's financially or physically with your your effort to go down there. There's so many different opportunities. A few weeks ago, I was blessed to be able to go on a missions trip to the Dominican Republic with another organization. And uh, as, as we went down there, we were ministering in different really poor communities. And we went to one place called Bataille, which had a lot of Haitian people that they were really poor. And we brought lots of clothes. We brought like eight suitcases of clothes. And the church we were partnering with down there, they brought some clothes as well. And they brought food and everything. And so we, we set up in this small little church that was there. We just set up like a store, basically, right? And we just had people. We had to do it in an organized fashion. We just had people come in one at a time, right? And they went and we had a men's section and we had a lady section and we had a children's section and then they would come in and they would take some clothes here and there and we had to uh, sort out all these clothes and put it everywhere but it was just such, it, 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 it was such a blessing but at the same time it just broke my heart to see the need that was there and, and uh, these bags that were there were just bags of, of, of food um, that we had put together just to give out to those people. And you can see there's a, a little section there of shoes there, a whole bunch of shoes, and, and they would take whatever 
we would be able to give them. And after we went through about uh, a certain number of people that they really wanted to get, then we were told we better leave because the floodgates were going to open and they were going to storm the doors and probably try to get as much as they, they can after that. It was, there's was such a great need. And, and I know the group going down to Peru is going to see some of that probably um, this week and next week when we go down. But there is such a need. Proverbs 22 says, don't rob the poor just because you can or exploit the needy in court. For the Lord is their defender. He will ruin anyone who ruins them. Sometimes we can take advantage of other people, maybe if they don't have or, or they don't understand, maybe all the laws or regulations or different things like that. And here, Proverbs clearly says, don't take advantage, don't rob the poor or exploit the needy in court. The Lord, the Lord is the defender of the poor. Number two, defend the innocent. Defend the innocent. Proverbs 18 verse 5 says, it is not right to acquit the guilty and deny justice to the innocent. 17 verse 15 says, acquitting the guilty and condemning the innocent, the Lord detests them both. Who are the innocent? Well, I think in one way we can look at that is that those in the womb, you know, the womb is supposed to be a place of safety and security. And sadly, it's become one of the places where children, one of the most dangerous places for children because of so much abortion and murder that takes place. A place that should be safe, a place that should be secure, has been changed into a place that's dangerous. Defend the innocent. I don't know if you can, you can get somebody that's more helpless and more innocent than a child in the womb. But yet God calls us to that. God tells us he's a God of justice. He will repay. Can we be people that defend the innocent? Can we be people, maybe there are situations in our life where people that are falsely accused and there are times that we don't want to get involved because we don't want to spoil our name. We don't want to get involved in a situation to maybe justify the innocent because, oh, if I say something or if I speak up, then my reputation is going to be ruined. My situation is going to end up becoming bad. It could be in the workplace, it could be in, with family, it could be in so many other situations. Will we defend the innocent in certain situations? Right? What would you do in this situation? There's a preacher and his wife who are very poor. They already have 14 kids. And now the wife finds out she's pregnant with the 15th. They live in tremendous poverty. What would you do? Recommend an abortion? They already have 14 kids. Well, if you say yes recommended abortion, then you would have killed John Wesley, founder of Methodism. See, there, there, there's great people that God wants to use. There's great plans and purposes that God has. But what will we do? There's a teenage girl. She's pregnant. She's not married. Her fiancé is not the father of the baby, and he's very upset. What would you do? Well, if you said, well, better have an abortion... Well, you just killed Jesus. Right? You know, every year there's thousands of university students who gather at the Passion Conferences in Atlanta. And uh, they're inspired to live for the Lord. And it's not just about abortion, but it's also for caring for the orphans and for the widows. It's caring for these children even after they're born as well because there's so much need 
that's there. And at these passion, at the passion conferences in 2017, I was so blessed to see that these university students who themselves probably have lots of debt and probably have lots of expenses and, you know, they're making their money stretch. But in the 2017 passion conferences, through Compassion International, which is a sponsorship organization, they were able to erase the waiting list of children in El Salvador, Indonesia, Rwanda, and Tanzania. And they sponsored another 900 more children in Bolivia. In total, they sponsored about 7,000 children in that event alone. How about us? Maybe you've never sponsored a child. Maybe that's something to pray about, something to consider. There's so much need all over the place. God is a God of justice, and he defends the widows. He defends the orphans. He defends those that can't fight for themselves. And there's so many children in need. Maybe it's time to consider maybe a sponsorship, some type of organization. Maybe, maybe to consider to go out, maybe on a missions trip. Maybe to see the need as well. Maybe instead of taking that vacation to some very exotic and nice place, maybe it's an opportunity now to, instead of that vacation, to, to venture out into a place of great need and to see how we can be a blessing, how we can be the hands and feet of Jesus, how we can minister to others that are in need. What will we do? Because God is a God of justice. Number three, be fair and honest with everyone. Be fair and honest with everyone. Proverbs 11.1 1 says, Dishonest scales are an abomination to the Lord, but a just weight is his, his delight. Don't cheat other people. Give them what's right. If that's paying fair market value for something, if that's telling the truth, uh, if that's uncovering something that's dishonest, let the scales be just. Let the scales be just. Proverbs 10 verse 9 says, Whoever walks in integrity walks securely. But whoever takes crooked paths will be found out. Can we walk in integrity? One day our sin will find us out, the Bible says. Right? Maybe there's another side of the story that we know, but we don't want to tell, tell anybody that because maybe it might cost us our job. Maybe it might get somebody else into trouble. Maybe it's the, the wrong side of the story. And we keep quiet. We don't speak up. We don't defend maybe the innocent because we know it's going to cost us something. And sometimes what God calls us to do, and I don't have time to tell stories of people that have, have spoken up for the innocent, that have defended the innocent, and maybe they have been harmed, and they have lost their jobs, and they have lost their, their livelihood in so many different situations and circumstances. Don't lie or cheat as a way to prosperity. It may work for a time, but definitely it will be short-lived. And even worse, our conscience will condemn us, right? Just weights the Lord desires. A just balance is his delight. Don't cheat on taxes. Don't cut corners. The Lord is watching, even if nobody else, even if we think no one else is, right? God is a God of justice, and he expects of us as his children to walk in an upright way. Proverbs 21 says, a person may think in their own, think their own ways are right, but the Lord weighs the heart. To do what is right and just is more acceptable to the Lord than sacrifice, right? Sometimes we think we know what, what, it, what is in our heart, but the Bible says our heart can deceive us. That's why it's good to take counsel from other people, to hear what other people have to say, to speak into our lives. Maybe it's to receive some correction from somebody else. Maybe it's to hear somebody else say, well, you know, you're straying from this path or what you're doing is not right. We need to be open to all of those things. 
Number four, speak up for the needy. Speak up for the needy. It's one thing to maybe help the poor, whether it's financially or whether it's materially or something like that, but to speak up for the needy. Proverbs 31 says, speak up for those who cannot speak for themselves. Ensure justice for those being crushed. Yes, speak for the poor and helpless and see that they get justice. There's so much inequality in the world today, and and many of us are in a place of of privilege where God has blessed us with good jobs and houses and money and family and wealth. In turn, how should we respond? To speak up for the disenfranchised, to speak up for the rejected, to speak up for those who don't have a voice. Chapter 14 and verse 21 says, it is a sin to despise one's neighbor, but blessed is the one who is kind to the needy. Be kind to the needy. Don't despise others based on their, on their race or social status or job or wealth or accomplishments or who they are in this world. Don't despise others because of that. But be kind to the needy. Be kind to all those that we come in contact with. You know, there's a story of a, of, uh, of a person in a church uh, it, was a, it was a Sunday morning service, and the people were coming in probably much like today, and right out in front of the church, there was a homeless man that was there, and the homeless man, he smelt really bad, right? And he was seated out in the front, and people were coming into church, and as they came into church, everyone walked right by him. Nobody offered to, to help him, to say anything, to ask how he was doing, or invite him to church. Well, nobody wanted him to come to church because, you know, he was stinking, What if somebody like that came and sat beside you today? What would you say? Go take a shower first and then come back. Huh? Well, the service started. And as the service started, this homeless man walked in. And he started walking down the aisle. And everyone was looking and thinking, who is this guy? He's walking down the aisle. And as he, he walked down the aisle, and as he walked down the aisle, then he came up to the front and he stood right in front of the pulpit And then he took off his hat and his jacket and they realized that was the pastor. And he just sat out there just to see who would respond. And he started his message and he said, I think you all know what I'm going to preach about today. (laughs) Chapter 14, verse 31 says, whoever oppresses the poor shows contempt for their maker. But whoever is kind to the needy honors God. When we're kind to the needy, we are honoring God. Just as we read in Matthew 25, I was sick and you visited me. I was naked and you clothed me. I was, I was in prison and you visited me. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I said, how? When? Where did that happen? As much as you've done it to the least of these, you've done it to me. In Isaiah 1 verse 17, it says, learn to do right. Seek justice, defend the oppressed, take up the cause of the fatherless, plead the case of the widow. You know, in the early church, you know what the first committee was in the early church? The first committee in the book of Acts was to help the widows. That was the very first committee. That was one of the most important things. Zechariah 7 says, this is what the Lord Almighty said, administer true justice, show mercy and compassion to one another. Do not oppress the widow or the fatherless, the foreigner or the poor. Do not plot evil against each other. There's an organization here in Canada called Defend Dignity. It's actually a part of the Christian and Missionary Alliance. And and, uh, their mission or mandate is to try to end sexual exploitation in Canada. 
You don't have to go very far to other countries. Yes, in other countries, there is a lot of sexual exploitation. There's a lot of human trafficking. But dear friends, do you know that it happens right here in our backyard as well? And this organization, Defend Dignity from the Christian and Missionary Alliance, are seeking to end human trafficking and sexual exploitation in our very own backyard to speak up for the needy, to speak up for the hurting, to speak up for those that are harmed, to speak up for those that are oppressed. Maybe we can play a role in that as well. Maybe we can join the fight. Maybe we can be part of the body of Christ that seeks to see justice in this world. Amos 5.24 says, let justice roll down like waters. That'd be great, right? In some of these situations and circumstances. Let justice roll down like the waters. The last one, number five, be generous and do good. Be generous and do good. Proverbs 3 and verse 27 and 28 says, do not withhold good from those who deserve it when it is in your power to help them. If you can help your neighbor now, don't say, come back tomorrow and then I'll help you. So here, the, 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 the wisdom, the advice, the counsel that's given is that if you see your neighbor in need, don't say, come back tomorrow. If it's in your power to do good, then do good now because we don't know what tomorrow will bring. So do good now. Do not withhold good from those who deserve it when it's in your power to help them. If you can help your neighbor now, don't say, come back tomorrow and then I will help you. One thing is to speak up. Another thing is to do good to others. Don't send people away that need help. A generous person will prosper. Whoever refreshes others will be refreshed themselves. I don't know about you, but when you go out and when you help others, when you help those that are in need, when you go out and minister to the disenfranchised, to those that are hurting and those that are hungry and those that are helpless and those that can't speak for themselves or those that can't help themselves either, there is a refreshing that comes. There is a joy, there is an an energy that comes from the Lord as we help those that are in need, as we refresh others. 1 John chapter 3 and verse 17 and 18 says, If someone has enough money to live well and see a brother or sister in need but shows no compassion, how can God's love be in that person? Dear children, let us not merely say that we love each other. Let us show the truth by our actions. Let us show the truth by our actions. I just want to encourage you this morning. God is calling us to be his hands and feet because he is a God of justice. God is calling us to help others, to minister to others, to help those that are in need, to do good and to be generous. And let's rise up to that call. Let's respond to that call. Let's realize that when we do it, even to the least of these, who are we doing it to? To Jesus. We are helping those in need. I have a little uh, video to, play, uh, to show you right now, and it's the story of a guy named Scott Harrison. I won't tell you. I'll just let you watch it. It's just a short little video. I grew up as an only child. Um, I was the good church kid. At 18, like so many bad cliches, I rebel. Uh, became uh, a nightclub promoter. And over the next 10 years, from uh, about 18 to 28, really climbed up New York's social ladder. At 28, uh, I had gotten many of the things that I thought I wanted. Uh, My girlfriend was on the cover of magazines, I had a Beamer, uh, I had a Rolex, I had a Labrador Retriever, I had a grand piano in my apartment in New York, and I was so unhappy. Something awakened in me, something... 
it was a realization maybe that I would I would never find happiness where I was looking for it. There would never be enough girls. There'd never be enough drugs. There'd never be enough parties. I guess it was a fresh look, being able to take a look at faith again with fresh eyes. And I became so compelled by uh, a Jesus who went around serving the poor, who went around looking after others and, and lived a life of integrity. You know, there's this verse uh, in James that I came across that said, true religion is to look after widows and orphans in their distress and to keep yourself from being polluted by the world. So I was 0 for 2. Uh, not only had I done nothing for the poor in a decade, I literally polluted people for a living. I made this radical, uh, radical life move. I wound up selling all of my possessions I joined this humanitarian mission, a group of medical doctors volunteering in West Africa, operating on a huge hospital ship, and I become their photojournalist. I saw a lot of stuff uh, over those two years, and I think the thing that struck me the most was people drinking dirty water. Half of the country didn't even have their most basic need for health met. Half the country didn't have clean water to drink. And when I landed back in New York, I was 30. And this was the issue that I felt so compelled to work on. And Charity Water was definitely birthed out of my faith experience, of, of me returning back to Christ, to, um, to God again. And, it, you know, I believe that the idea of Charity Water is very close to God's heart. I believe the idea of a world where every single person drinks clean water is, is so fluid, is so in line with the heart of, of God, the heart of the Father. Uh, and, and it's an amazing thing to be able to do with, with my work. Over the last nine years, we've raised almost $200 million. Uh, we've helped over 5.5 uh, million people around the world get access to clean water. So we've made a little bit of a dent. Uh, and, and most importantly, the number of people without water has come down from a billion to 660 million. You know, if I look back on it, I think this idea of really trying to serve God through my work, um, you know, has changed everything in my life. But I think, you know, you can do that wherever you are, whether you're a banker, whether you're a florist, um, you can bring, you know, the, the kingdom values that you believe in into your work, into the way that you, you serve your customers, into the way that you lead uh, your team members, uh, into the way that you, um, you support others. Craziest thing we can do is do nothing. Isn't that interesting? Craziest thing we can do is to do nothing. I wonder when we leave here today, what is our response? When we leave here today, what will we decide to do? To do nothing? And say, oh, that was an interesting message. Oh, yeah, maybe I could do something. He said there's 663 million people still that drink dirty water. That struck me. Psalm 37 and verse 28 says, For the Lord loves justice, and he will never abandon the godly. He will keep them safe forever. The singers and musicians can come. You know, governments will change. Policies will change. People will come and go. But God's word and his standard never change. So in the Lord's Prayer, it says, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So don't wait for the government to institute something or regulate something or legislate something. But as people of the kingdom of God, we reflect his character, his nature, and his kingdom principles here and now. 
as a reflection of what we want to see in eternity as well. And so Isaiah 30 and verse 18 says, Therefore the Lord waits to be gracious to you, and therefore he exalts himself to show mercy to you. For the Lord is a God of justice. For the Lord is a God of justice. Blessed are all those who wait for him. What's our response today?